This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast. Sponsored by fanduel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast, episode 32. I'm your host, Terence Ford of venablarmy.co.uk, and we are in your ears for the final preview of the season. A thankfully, dead rubber match at Old Trafford. Nick Philpott and Lucy White join me to discuss all things Palace, including previewing the match against Mourinho's United, offering up inevitably terrible predictions, and remembering the FA Cup final of 2016. Also joining the show will be cycling the season man, Stephen Kingdom, to give us the highlights of his journeys this term. And BAFTA winner and Palace fan John Petrie will join the team to recall what was an epic Sunday for him. Before all of that, remember to head over to hrlradio.net forward slash subscribe to ensure that you never miss another whole radio podcast. Yes, it's the last show of the season. I can't believe we've got here, guys. The guys being Nick and Lucy, welcome to the show. Hello, Good evening, mate. Terence. How are you? I am feeling a lot better after Sunday. Anyone will, who would have seen me before the game would have known that I was a very, very nervous bee until um, <laughs> three <laughs> minutes in. We did something very unpalace and um, took the lead and put the game to bed within half an hour. So oh, great it was, very, was, was a very refreshing Sunday. But um, So do you two actually remember much about it? Um, I, remember, I remember it all because... I, there wasn't much drinking time before the game, being a no. twelve o'clock kickoff, and then straight after the game we went for a curry. So I'd, um, we had we do an end of season meal um, with me and all my mates. So we went for a curry in um, in Elmer's End Spice Society. If anyone knows that place, very, very tasty, decently priced, nice buffet on a Sunday. Okay, again, you're not going to get a free meal out of it, but um, not... <laughs> the place was rocking, wasn't it? I, Luce, it's, it's just I can't remember seeing it as good as that. Yeah, it was great fun. I just, I got to South London about, uh, it was about 11 o'clock. Um, I just, you could tell everybody was buzzed all along, all along the Homestale Road. Um, yeah. You know, the people in the pub. Yeah, yeah, there were a few people that were nervous, but I think the sun was shining. Everyone was really happy. You know, and then you get into the ground, and then the HF had all their stuff out on the 
the Homestale seats and everybody else was sort of milling around and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the atmosphere just lifted and, yeah, it was a great, great Sunday. It was. I enjoyed it a lot, I must say. Um, but going into the week, some things that have surprised me, I really did think that um, that would be the last five minutes would be the end of Damien Delaney loose. But news tells us that he has signed a new one-year extension. Did, was you surprised at that? Yes, I was. Um, you know, he's not been prolific. I don't think, well, I don't think he ever has been prolific, but he's certainly been a huge part of the team. Um, but this season he's, you know, he's had his, his ups and downs and he's not been picked first like he had been. And he, you know, he was, he wasn't even picked when he was the only centre back as an option. So <laughs> that tells you a lot. Um, but, you know, I think he's um, he's somebody that he's the type of player we still need around. Whether or not he plays, he's that leadership figure. You know, I know, I know he's not captain, but he certainly has um, that presence within the team. And I think he actually really loves Palace and what it means because if it hadn't been for Dougie and Palace, his career would have been over a long, long time ago. And, you know, he mm. might have been working in, you know, Tato Crisps factory in Dublin or something. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, he, um, you know, I, 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 it was surprising, but I'm really pleased. And I know there's a lot of people that aren't happy about that. And it, it's sad to see somebody that's done so much for the club get so much stick on social media because I regardless of who it is, everybody knows that I love Damo, but regardless of who it is, none of our players deserve that. Yeah, Absolutely I was right. um, I was surprised at the amount of stick that he got for it. Um, you know, Steve Parrish spoke on the Homestyle Radio podcast on Sunday about, you know, uh, the new contract for Sproni and feeling like he deserves that to get that sort of year extension. And, um, I mean, uh, do you think he's done the same with Delaney? He thinks that, you know, he deserves to give him that one final year for the work that he's done for the club since he signed Nick? Listen, he's been a statesman for the club for the last... How long has he been with us now? Five years, is it? Six years? He's been a rock back there. Okay, he may well be coming to the end of his days a little bit as a player. What we need up there is... And he's actually already proved his worth for us next season by stepping in when he has the share. He's not going to be the first choice, and I think he knows that. It's a bit like the Spironi contract. He's not going to be first choice, and he knows that. But he's happy to see out his playing days with Crystal Palace and I think A, the club are to be commended for it but B, Damien Delaney is because I think he richly deserves a, one, a, one more deal mm, Yeah, I was thinking that one more deal might come in the States or something like that and I was so sure that it was going I'd fully prepped an article talking about his time at the club and um, it's going to have to go on the back burner for a year <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah and obviously um, in other news yes, Baroni signed extensions to his contracts and reports are that we've opened talks with Wilf to give him another contract extension I think that'll be something like his 72nd contract extension since we've re-signed him from May United so um, only good things can come from that I'm sure we'll be paying him a pretty penny but there's no doubts that he deserves it, especially with his player of the year season that he's had. Um, incomings, there's been lots of links already. Transfer window isn't, his season isn't even over yet, let alone the transfer window opening. Uh, I'm going to throw some names at you loose. Does anyone stand out other than the obvious of Mamadou Sako, who, you know, I think it's clear that we're going to 
probably pay what Liverpool want for him. Um, so we've got Joe Hart, Kone from Sunderland, the foe from Sunderland, Fabian Delft from Man City, and someone called Kinesis from um, Udinese's goalkeeper. That's who he was. Any, any of those stand out? Uh, Joe Hart, definitely. Um, I think he would be... Uh, <laughs> It would be a ridiculous signing, but in the you think sense we'd pay twenty like, mil for him. Don't see why that, not. That's what but Man City I, want. I don't know if we paid twenty million if we paid thirty for Sacco. Um, and there's, you know, there's rumours saying that if we buy Sacco, then Hennessy will stay between the sticks as number one. But you know, I think Hart's very ambitious for us. Mm. But you know, why why not go for him? You know, he's yeah. he's he's a reputable goalkeeper. He certainly would do a fantastic job for us. Um, and he's better than Hennessy. Well, well <laughs> I'm better than Hennessy. Not, um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think he would be a great signing for us. But like I say, I don't know if we'd go for that sort of calibre when we're forking out for Sacco. Mm, yeah, I think that's a good point. Nick, um, I was surprised to hear Fabian Delph in there, but the more I thought about it, um, he's, he's done well when he's got playing time in the past. Would would that interest you? It, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't really float my boat. Um, I don't know anything about the other goalkeeper, but Fabian Delph and Coney. Coney, do we really want to be going down the avenue of bringing in relegated players? Okay, We should be the same with uh, Defoe as well. Um Defoe, somebody, I was talking to somebody in Leeds yesterday about uh, the Defoe, potential Defoe and Benteke partnership. I mean, that would scare many a premiership team with the, the two wide men and Defoe. I don't know what system we will play, but Fabian Delft, he's a good player. He's a very good player. He's, and he probably is actually outstanding, if I'm honest with you. Um, but he's not one that really excites me. I think Lucy's absolutely right. A lot of it will, a lot of it will link around the Sacco move. And whether we whether or not we go for Hart will uh, be influenced by the Sacco move. And I think she's spot on. And I think also, oh, go on, Nose. Sorry, I was going to say, but can you imagine if we, you know, we signed the likes of these players, you know, the start of next season, and you see our team sheet, and you've got Joe Hart, you've got Mamadou Sacco, Johan Kabai, oh, Wilfred it. Zaha, Andros Townsend. Enough. Christian I'm Benteke. Devoe and Christian Benteke. It's like, what the hell? This is Crystal Palace you're talking about. It doesn't you know, happen like that. Where's but... Jimmy Kebe? <laughs> Jimmy Kebe and Jerome Thomas on either flank. Yeah. Do you know what? Do you know what it does sound like? It sounds like um, when you're four or five seasons into a game of Football Manager and you've signed a load of good players for Palace. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant that we're in that position now to think that we can get these players of this calibre. But it's just like, it just makes me laugh. It's just, it's crazy. Really crazy. How how proud does it make you feel though, Luce? I mean, when you've been linked with players like that. Really proud. I'm sat here, I'm grinning. Like a Cheshire cat thinking it's, it's, it's brilliant. And the fact that we're going into our fifth season in the Premiership, then, sorry, Premier League, um, why can't we look for players like this? But I will temper it all though. As long as they fit the mould, they better come in and fit the mould because I don't want people just coming and picking up a pretty penny because we're paying it. And that's um, yeah. So wipe that grin off your face for now. <laughs> before, um, before you move on, tell do you think Johan will go? I really hope not. 
I think he's shown his value just in the game against Hull. Like just being on the pitch, just mm. he, he suits our system perfectly. Um, I think he brings the best out of Punchin and uh, Milivojevic. And I think it would be a disaster to lose him. Uh, perhaps if we brought in a player like Fabian Delph, I, d- I don't think they're in the same bracket. But, you know, we'd, we'd need to sign big in order to replace Kabaya. And it would all depend, I guess, one year left on his contracts, his age, how much people are prepared to pay for him. And if the money's right, then we might sell him. But I don't think there's big, any he's doubt. He's on big wages as well, though, isn't he? So by releasing I don't think he's on as big. I, mean, I don't think he's... He's probably in the top five earners, but I think we've probably been paying quite a lot more for players since we've signed Kabaya. So, and there's been no contract extension for him. So he would have been on a... He would have been a top earner when he came in, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure that he is anymore. Um, anyway, look, we're dragging John Bostock. He's won League League de, under. That's right, isn't it? Too League yeah, de yeah. Player of the Season with Lons. Um, and Simon Jordan obviously piped up on Twitter, said, "Not quite what was anticipated at Palace for John Bostock when I turned down Barcelona offer of 1.5 million for a then 14-year-old." Um, a lot of people asking the question, would you put, would you take Bostock back? Uh, Nick, would you take Bostock back? I mean, I think a lot of the question around is, is he actually good enough? Of course he's not. I mean, I think the best thing you said in there was, duh. Okay, duh. Why would you take somebody back who, <coughs> who didn't make it? He really mm. didn't make it. I mean, he was a complete outcast at Tottenham when he left us. Um, he was led, led away for the, the reasons by his family. Uh, and it was all for the dollar, and it didn't work out. I feel sorry for the lad, okay? But would I want him back in our team? Absolutely no. No, I would not. That's not, it's not very sentimental, is it, Lucy? What about you? Um, no, I don't think I would. I think you need to... You, you shouldn't look back, I guess. Um, and as Nick's pointed out, he was it was a bit of a flop, really, and it was through no fault of his own. You know, he saw a chance... And took it, and unfortunately, to his, it was his own downfall. Um, came a bit greedy, and but you know, fair play to him. He's obviously he is doing well. He's got that chance now, and but I don't think it would be the right move for us to re-sign him. Well, there you go. Holmesdale Radio has said it. No, John Bostock for Crystal Palace. Right, we're going to take a short break, and then after that, we will be with BAFTA award-winning Crystal Palace fan John Petrie. Homestyle Radio Freeview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Now, Saturday, sorry, Sunday against Hull was a very stressful game. For me, that was enough excitement for one day. But now we're joined by Palace fan John Petrie, who, after the whole game, had to head off for um, a little a little thing called the Baftas. Welcome, John. Hello. Hello. Um, <laughs> that was a pretty action-packed Sunday for you. Yeah, it was amazing. It was, it was genuinely, like, I know it's sort of often said, but if Carlsberg did sort of Sunday, <laughs> that would be like the most perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. It was like the most perfect day. Um, I, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. It was genuinely, though, the, the, the sort of, the most exciting moment was actually when Zaha scored. Because I just 
it just relieves so much built-up stress in the last few weeks, and every, the whole crowd just sort of relaxed a bit, didn't they? It was amazing. Yeah, I think we a lot of us had convinced ourselves that we was going down. Obviously, you know how much pre-match I was talking about <laughs> me being really worried that they were going to do us and then do um, Tottenham the following weekend, and we'll go down. Yeah, I but um. Yeah, I know, you're sitting behind me biting your nails in block B. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, so what is it? So you obviously, the 4-0 the was just, you know, it was the easy part of the day. We got that out of the way, done and dusted. And um, you head off. So what what happens when you get to the BAFTAs? I assume loads of people were taking your picture as you was walking down the red carpet. Well, yeah, I mean, no one gives a chance <laughs> who I am, but, but like, I was with the boys. Um, so the, the show is called People Just Do Nothing, in case um, people don't know it. Um, and we were up for Best Scripted Comedy. And, um, yeah, you, you arrive and you walk down the red carpet, but um, it absolutely started pissing it down when we got there. So um, we sort of ran inside. And then, and then yeah, we, we kind of... Uh, in, in all honesty, we just didn't think we were going to win. We thought... Uh, flea bag which was one of the other things we thought that was like the favorite because everyone kept talking about it um so yeah when they said our our name it was just amazing and then you you know we were just we were sat, i was sat um one row in front of cuba Gooding jr who was just behind me so that was quite cool um yeah it was amazing and um Chibuddy G, one of the characters in the show, was up for best was that best male actor or best supporting actor? Which one was he up for? No, best best male comedy, yeah. He was beaten by Steve yeah. Coogan. Um, yeah. so yeah, I thought so that was a bit unfair. Win, but <laughs> but well, yeah, because obviously like Steve Coogan's not one enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But obviously, um, Fleabag had picked up an award early, and I, when I was watching the show, I was like, oh, I think that's a really bad sign um, for, yeah. the, for the scripted comedy award. But um, when it when it was announced, when you, they opened the envelope and said, people just do nothing, I jumped up, kicked the table over. I was making wedding decorations at the time. They went everywhere. My whole house came running <laughs> into the living room thinking, what had happened? And I was just like, oh, my mate just won a BAFTA. <laughs> Everyone's been, I've been telling everyone, mate. I'm I'm super uh, made up for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's so nice because it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's because it's on telly and stuff and people know, know what they are. It's like... Yeah, normally, mm. normally with, with your work, no one really knows those sorts of things. But but yeah, that was kind of yeah. I feel very very lucky. So it's been lovely. So um, one thing that they do on the Baftas is they do a death roll, like all the people that have died through the year. So having won a Bafta now, yeah. does that mean you get on that when you die? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll have to win a couple more before I get that honour. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, any is it is the after party like uh, everyone at the BAFTAs goes to the same thing or do you go off and do your own thing? No, it's it's all because the whole the shows at the um, uh, Royal Festival Hall. So like I don't know if you've been there, but there's the kind of the main the main sort of room, and then the, with a the theatre in, and then below that is sort of where you have your dinner and then everyone, but it goes on for eight, the actual ceremony, because on telly it's two hours, but the actual ceremony mm. is about sort of three and a half, four hours. Um, and then you're sort of dead after that. And then you have a meal about 11 o'clock and then it shuts at two. But um, mm. I had to, I had to go home. I was a bit over, <laughs> overcome with emotion by the end of it all. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Any, any stories that you can share from the after party? No, I'm really boring. Actually, I was trying to think. I, I mean, I got absolutely hammered, but I, I, I didn't do anything sort of bad, really. And 
didn't really see any naughtiness going on around me, so it was a bit boring. So. <laughs> Uh, well, it was. I think a boring end is what you needed to that day. So, anyway, look, we yeah. wanted to get you on so everyone at Whole Radio could say congratulations on your award, and um, we look forward Thanks, to you to bro. bringing I it and parading, like... parading around Sellers Park at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, ge- I genuinely, genuinely, the, the 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 first part of the day, Palace Day and up, was was. I was just so relieved and so so happy about that because that I just I'm not very good at dealing with with sort of stress related with Palace and uh, this season's just been sort of pretty miserable at times. Um, I remember like after the Sunderland game, that was just such a low point, and I just mm. I'm amazed that we made it. I think uh, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you what you think of Sam Allardyce now because I know you were so <laughs> anti. <laughs> What a great Everyone, question, John. Everyone's trying to stitch me up with this. After, my my opinion still remains exactly the same. I, I said at the time, and as I always say, this is the wonderful thing of doing recorded media is that I can go back and play all the clips. I said at the time, I, I think he's he has an easy job. I think with the squad of players that we had, um, with money available to spend in January, I didn't doubt for a second that it'd keep us up. Well, maybe maybe for a few seconds in the last few weeks when it all went a bit pear shaped. <laughs> but um, I always thought that he'd do a good job, and he was on he was on to an easy win. But um, my opinions of him as a person remain the same. Uh, I, I kind of feel a bit better that he has Sammy Lee next to him because that gives me something on the bench that I can warm to. <laughs> and um, I bumped into I bumped into him after uh, one of the games recently. I can't remember which one. Um, and had a little chat with him, and he's he seems like a really nice, down-to-earth guy. Um, although I, I guess some Palace fans who remember him from his playing days might not say the same thing. But no, my opinions are the same of Allardyce. Um, it's going to be interesting to see now how he does. Um, Steve Pavish obviously has said recently that on the whole radio on Sunday, actually, we need to be a bit more cautious with how we try and push on now because we perhaps did it a bit too much this season. So maybe that would suit Allardyce in the sense that he's can spend a couple of years just getting mid-table finishes and then we'll see where we go from there. We'll see if he's got it in his locker to take us to the next level or not, but only only time will tell with that. But um, Can I ask John a question? Yeah, of course. John, very quickly. Mm. Crystal Palace secure another league, another year in the Premier League or the BAFTA yeah. award? Which one comes top? Uh... Do you know, in in all honesty, I think I would go. For, I think I'll go for Palace just because over the course of a year, like the emotion that you know, the pleasure I get from that uh, is, you know, obviously Bath is like a career highlight, but uh, you know, Palace is just such a huge part of my, you know, life and sort of every weekend going along to Sarah's Park and seeing all everyone and. I don't know. Yeah, it's tricky. I, th- I think I actually do genuinely think Palace probably. Proper football fan. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take the BAFTA relegation and then win the championship next season with 110 points. <laughs> I think that was the not right when answer. Brighton have gone up. Not not when Brighton have gone. Up. <laughs> he says all the right things, doesn't he? Guys? Does he? Proper for Palace fan. Yeah. Anyway, John, look, thank you so much for joining us, pal. Um, I'll have no doubt that we'll have you back on at some point next season anyway. So yeah, enjoy I'd the love, summer. Love to. I could talk about Palace to them, red and blue in the face. Good man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Congratulations, John. Yeah, congratulations, yeah, pal. Speak to you yeah. soon. Yeah. 
Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, so just before that jingle there, that was BAFTA winning John Petrie. I still can't get used to saying it. Um, he's a really good, really good friend of mine, and it's I'm so made up for him. And um, yeah, so I'm just wanted to get him on and congratulate him and raise awareness of his show. If it, if it needs any more awareness raised of it after winning that on the on the weekend, um, right? Let's get get about what we're here to do, and let's preview the Man United game. Uh, Mourinho said that he's going to make a bunch of changes, and at the time of recording, Manchester United are currently playing against Southampton. Um, I don't know about you, Nick. This lineup to me doesn't look that terrible in terms of. Romero in goal, and I believe he saved a penalty in this one. Um, Bailey is playing. Obviously, he'll be suspended for the Europa League final, so will be likely to play against Palace on the weekend. Chris Smalling, Phil Jones, Damian, Fellaini, um, Axel Tuanzebi. Yeah, the no one who he is. <laughs> one matter, Martial, Mikatarian, and Rooney. It's not a terrible team, is it? You know, there's nothing there that scares me anymore. You used to have this thing about Man United where it didn't matter what team you put out, you just knew they were going to have world-class players in front of you. you got the ageing Rooney in there, Martial's doing well, even one matters ageing. I haven't got a clue who that Tanner Buzzy is you're talking about. Fellaini's just a haircut, isn't he? Um, there's nothing there that particularly frightens me and particularly bothers me. The, the beauty about it is we can go up there relaxed, yeah, to a point our season's over, and if we put in a performance, well, great, OK? But if they go up there and relax and enjoy themselves... I reckon they can come away with some sort of result. Yeah, I think, Lucy, me and you grew up in the generation of Manchester United dominating everything, and Nick's absolutely right there in terms of the teams used to just scare you. You just look at it, and all across the field was great, great players and some of some of them world-class players, especially when you look at the likes, I guess, of like Ryan Giggs and Paul Scholes in, the, in their times. And um, what do you think about that lineup? I know... I mean, I really rate uh, Mkhitaryan. I think Martial on his day can be dangerous, but, you know, Rooney up top, it's not very scary anymore. Fellaini, Darmy and Jones, are they names that scare you? Not really, but we some of these names aren't familiar, so we don't really know what they can bring to the game. Mm. So it's kind of a little bit of fear of the unknown more than mm. a fear of the known. Yeah. Um, do you so, think? Do you, do you think it's with the players as well being fringe players that they're going to have a point to prove to Mourinho? Yeah, obviously. Like, because you know, I, I think that Man United are going to have a shake up next season, and I think that the likes of Bailey. Um, I mean, he's he was unfortunate to get sent off um, the other the other week. Was it last week? Mm. Um, I'm lucky to get sent off. He punched someone in the face, didn't he? <laughs> was, was that what he did? I can't remember. I don't. What really Bailey? Bailey. Really. I think Eric Bailey got sent off for punching someone in the face in the um, in the Europa League semi-final. <laughs> oh well, then he did get himself sent off. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's someone that's up and coming for Man United. So uh, yeah, I guess that he there there weren't going to be points to be proved. Mm. So, but yeah, and if you look at our bench as well, uh, players like Dimitri Mitchell, never heard of him. Joel Pereira, Scott Mo- Scott Mick Tomine, 
Who? So exactly. <laughs> Ooh. So these are players that you know never know might get put in. But I mean, United. Thank, thankfully for you. I don't say I don't want to say thankfully for United because I just don't really care about them enough for it to be thankfully. But you know, Mourinho might have been in for a fine for fielding weakened teams if um, we was in a relegation battle. But obviously we're not anymore. But you know, the difference between if we finish in seventeenth merit money for the season we get 7.6 million if we finish in 11 win that game and finish in 11th which is the as high as we can finish we get 19 million which is obviously um a fair bit of bunts and when you're looking at how much we're going to have to play for pay for Mamadou Sacco and the players that we potentially want to bring in and giving Will for new contracts you know playing for an extra what is that 11.4 million that's a fair old whack of money, isn't it, Nick? When you're just putting it down to one game, win, and it's 11 million prize money. That's interesting because I didn't realise the gulf between 17th and 11th was as big as that. I don't think we it's will It's about finish. 2 million a place, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, I mean, the thing is, it's, it's not just Man United going to be playing a weekend team. Obviously, I think we will because uh, we, when we know that Tomkins and Kabai were injured at the weekend and played through the pain barrier. Uh, so we'll also be playing with... Uh, a weekend squad as well, but I mean that money is just well, as you say that's half of the fee for Mamadou Sacco, isn't it? Yeah, but do you put if if they are 85 percent fit, combined Tompkins, you make them pay play through the barrier again with that money in mind? If I was Allardyce last week, I would have said to both of them, "Look, we'll get you your, your quarter zone, or not? It's not quarter zone anymore, but your injections, yeah. your pain relief injections. Go out. We need we need these three points. I'm not interested in Man United." If we get the result against Hull City, get on the beach, enjoy your summer because you've earned, earned the right. And I think that's probably what he'll do, if I'm honest. Mm, so, Luce, what do you think if, assuming that, uh, obviously we haven't heard who's fit and who's not fit yet, that happens um, on Thursday. Probably by the time you've listened to this, listeners, you um, will know what the team is. Um, but with, if we've got a stronger side than United on paper, do you... Do we attack them? Do we go there and take the game to them? Or do we stick to our regular style? No, I think we attack them. And I think... I disagree with Nick. I think that we should... If Tompkins and Kambai are 80-85% fit, I think we play like we did last week or Sunday. Um, you know, sub them at a point in the game. But utilise the fact that it is a weaker... I say weaker in inverted commas, um, weaker Man United squad. And, you know, we're playing for, yeah, OK, we're safe, great. But like you've pointed out, we're paying for a higher position and more money. Why why not go all out and attack them? Indeed. Um, I don't, I'm... I'm sceptical. Um, I agree with you in the sense that I think we, if they're 85%, we probably should play them with the prize money in mind and them having the whole seasons of a cover, especially if it's something that they can't aggravate too badly. Um, but I think I'd stick to our game plan that we've employed so well in terms of just when we try and break teams down and push them back, I think we struggle to break them down, sitting, sitting a bit deeper and hitting on the counter, I think might benefit, benefit us a little bit better, especially with the the pace that we have in Townsend and Zaha and so on. But it'll be interesting to see how we approach it because it's going to be, um, it's going to be a bit of a weird game, I guess. Um, I know Nick, is, is it time we end the hoodoo? 
Yeah, we haven't had an awful lot of luck up there, have we? Um, is it, uh, yeah, I think I think we will get something out of this week's game. I really do because their their focus of attention isn't Crystal Palace, is it? Their focus of attention is is the uh, is the final. Um, I honestly believe that we will go up there and get a result. I'm not saying we're going to get up, go up there and get a, a win, but I think we'll get some sort of result. I'll, I'll go yeah. further than that. We won't lose. Oh well, we'll save that for predictions later. And Lucy. Um, we're gonna th- we're gonna remember the classic match, uh, the cup final, and the classic match section a little bit later on. Uh, do you want? Do you, it, it, would this? I'm, I'm sure it's not. We can't call it revenge, but it would just be nice on the you know a year to the day later to the FA Cup final to get a win at Old Trafford. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I support two football teams. I support Crystal Palace and anybody that plays Man United, unless it's Brighton. <laughs> Um, so I I despise the club I think you know any decent Crystal Palace fan will understand that hatred and I would just love to to get three points off them yeah I think we can all agree with that right we'll end that there next up we're going to be joined by a man that I've watched from afar with awe this season that will be Stephen Kingdom who at Old Trafford on the weekend, will be completing his mission to cycle to every Crystal Palace game this season. Quite an incredible feat. So up after this jingle will be Stephen. Homestyle Radio, Freeview Podcast. Sponsored by fanjewel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right. 7,100 miles, 550 hours in the saddle. He's been to every Crystal Palace game but one this season because he had to start his journey to travel to Sunderland away before the game at Southampton in the League Cup had even kicked off. The person I'm talking about there is Stephen Kingdom, who has been cycling the season this year in um, aid of Contact a Family, a charity that supports family with disabled children across the UK. They provide information, advice and support and bring families together so they can support each other. Stephen, welcome back to the show, sir. Uh, thank you for having me back, Terence. Good to speak no, to you. No worries. It's, um, we spoke way back around, I think, maybe September time that was when we spoke, when you was very early on in your journey. Um, yeah, what did you do? What, preview for the Liverpool game, I think. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, what do you, what do you, what do you do during the week? Do you do you just stand up the whole time? Because I, ima- I imagine your bottom must be quite sore after all those hours and miles. Yeah, <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually, my um, it, it held out better than I thought it might. Um, backache's a bit more of an issue than the the, the my bottom, but yeah, it's um, a bit of relaxing in between, spending time with my kids. I've got two small kids, so uh, I, I tend to take on most of childcare when I'm not cycling to make up for the fact. I leave my wife with them on their own when I'm taking a week to get up to Sunderland or wherever. Mm. Yeah, well, let's talk about Sunderland. So that's obviously the longest trip of the season, 659-mile round trip. Um, <laughs> so what did, what was that? You headed headed out on a Tuesday and Palace were playing on the Wednesday? Is that about right? So, so, no, Sunderland was a Saturday. So I started on the – I headed out on the Wednesday. and um, Oh, and we were at Southampton that night, yeah. Yeah, we were, so we were Southampton on the Wednesday night when I'd done my first 110 plus miles. Um, took three days to get up there, stayed the Friday night in Sunderland um, at a guest house where the owners were Sunderland fans and their son played for the youth team. So oh, wow. I was a bit worried going. I was a bit worried going back after the game. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Because I stayed there Saturday night as well, and I thought, <laughs> after we won 3-2, coming from 2-0 down, I might not be very welcome back, but they were, they were great. And then, yeah, set off home on the Sunday and got home on the on the Tuesday night. And quite amazingly, when, when did you set off for the Everton game, the following away game? <laughs> yeah, so uh, next morning I took the kids to school, came home and then set off for the Everton game, which was the one that was on the Friday night. Yeah, so that's 1,169 miles in 13 days. Um, were there any points during those 13 days that you just thought, screw this? <laughs> never quite, never quite screw this, but I had a couple of... Uh, I, I had some issues with um, with a couple of broken spokes on the way up to Sunderland, and then my route planner sent me on to what was allegedly a cycle path, but actually just turned into a a mud, just just mud, and I had to push the bike until I could find just the road what, just again. Just what you need. At that, <laughs> at that point, I was thinking, well, you know, why am I doing this? But actually, most of it was just was just great, and you know, at that point, we were winning some games, weren't we? You know. <laughs> we were indeed. Um, you say here, uh, though, West West Brom was the was the worst journey of the bunch so far. Yeah, um, it, I, uh, I I did it quite quite a short journey to West Brom. So I did a long day up to Warwick, stayed in Warwick, and then did thirty miles each way on the match day uh, to get back to Warwick, and then cycled to one hundred and thirteen miles home from from Warwick on the, the day after the match. And it was wet. It was windy. I had a problem with my gears. After I stopped for lunch, I got back on the bike in Oxford and it started to hail. Um, <laughs> then, and then the last bit of the journey, I'd taken, it got warm, but I'd taken off my waterproof. Then the rain came again. I didn't get the waterproof back on in time. I was freezing and soaking. Mm-hmm. By the time I got home, I, was, I thought I was got hypothermia. Um, I mean, to tell how bad it was, my, my wife generally doesn't give me any sympathy, but she was like, I'm going to run you a bath, you look really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, uh, but, you know, at least we won the game, so it was a good one from that point of view. Yeah, it was. He got, he got to score a great goal there with uh, Mandros Townsend's run from inside his own half. Um, he yeah. also managed to make a home game practically an away game with a rearranged Arsenal fixture. That's right. Yeah, we we uh, it was in the Easter holidays, and we'd worked out we were going to go for a little break to the New Forest, and it was all sorted. So we'd go. Um, I'd get to go to the Arsenal game, and then we'd go down there, and then they moved the game to the Monday night. So um, I uh, ended up going on holiday with the family and leaving them there, and cycling back on the Monday to see the game, and then cycling back to the New Forest on Tuesday to rejoin the holiday. That was about an extra couple of hundred miles I hadn't planned on. I thought that was a bit harsh of Twitter because you put that to a poll on Twitter, didn't you? Whether you should cycle it or take <laughs> take transport. I, I did. Overwhelmingly I be, I cycle. Honest, yeah, I, I kind of figured that's what would happen. I'd made the decision, really. I think uh, <laughs> if I was relying on Twitter to be nice to me, I was a bit stupid, really, wasn't I? 
Um, I am touching wood when I say this. Um, not, not <laughs> that sounds really bad. Let me finish my sentence. Um, you've only had one accident in your whole journey, which is quite amazing when you're considering you've been in the saddle for 550 hours and a tired body and so on. So, <laughs> how how did the accident occur? Yeah, it's quite embarrassing, really. I was I was it was just coming home from the home game, Bournemouth, back in August and. I just came up to the traffic lights in, in Wallington at Wallington Green by the uh, Duke's Head, for anyone who knows it. And I'd I changed gear as I was coming up the lights and, and it hadn't gone into gear properly. And as I went to pull away, the chain sort of jammed and I just went flat on my side with no one else involved about four miles from home. You know, it just felt so stupid given all the cycling I was going to be doing that I couldn't even manage a ride home without falling <laughs> off. So. Yeah. Um, but since then, it's uh, been all right. Yeah, since then, yes, indeed. That's that. That's why I said touch wood. Sorry, we have some very yeah. listeners who will be picking up on innuendos left, right and centre. <laughs> um, you've obviously <laughs> yeah, had some I, great, yeah. ex- great experiences this year. Um, Holloway, you got to spend that in the director's box with, with was that Steve Parrish? How, how was that experience? That was really good. Yeah, Steve Brown invited me and Steve Parrish invited me and um, it was really interesting. Um, it was like, I mean, we all know that classic picture of the, uh, Steve Parrish and Mark Wright sitting next to each other watching the games while I was basically sitting in the chair directly, directly behind them. Oh, so do you know what was written in the note? Because he handed over, was that the game he handed the note over in? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I don't think it was. No, I think that was a different one. What I did see was quite how, uh, how mad, uh, and understandably, how mad Steve Parrish was about Robert Snodgrass's dive. And mm. how he was, there was, there was sitting nearest the guys with the laptops with all the you know, analysis of the game. He was getting them to replay it to him and he was, oh, he was understandably fuming. Yeah, I bet. And also, um, whole laid on Dean Windass and Brian Hughes for you as well. Yeah, that was good. Um, it was quite funny timing because I didn't realise until I got to the director's box afterwards that Dean Windass had been declared bankrupt the day before. <laughs> so I don't think he was in a great mood. <laughs> Brian Hughes was very, was, was, was very chatty and a, he was a really nice guy and he was asking about Andy Johnson because obviously they played together at Birmingham. Um, and then as the conversation moved on, he started reminiscing on uh, that certain game in 2005 when we drew to all of Charlton. And we all remember Jonathan Fortune scored the second goal. But if Brian Hughes hadn't decided to remind me, I wouldn't have remembered he'd scored the first. And I really didn't need to be reminded of that. But anyway, he was, uh, <laughs> he was really nice and he was really supportive. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um, and obviously you got to go to the training ground and spend some time with the team um, and it was just after the Sunderland and Stoke game wasn't it so we'd lost 4-0 lost 1-0 and then you go to the training ground and hey presto we start winning games yeah pretty much I'm, uh, I'm taking the credit no I was, I was, <laughs> I was talking to Sam about things and then he said he said to the players when they were doing the photos he said that uh, if we weren't safe before the uh, Man United game they'd have me to answer through. and you know here we are <laughs> again to go we're safe so I'm uh, I'm taking the credit no, you know I know people think it's down to Sacco and Luca and the fans but I'm taking the credit for it <laughs> right so um, you've raised £14,000 so far of your £15,000 target so um, how, how can people go and donate to your calls yeah easiest way is uh, just giving uh, site so it's justgiving.com forward slash cycling the season all one word and just uh, just chuck some chuck some money in there It'd be great thanks very much 
Yeah, so hopefully um, if everyone who listens to this goes and throws a pound in, we'll easily um, clear his £15,000 target for him. And I think it's a very, very worthy cause that you've done it for. And um, I was saying just that, um, before you came on the line, I'm just in, I'm absolutely in awe of what you've done, mate. I've last A couple of seasons ago, we were talking about the possibility of just doing this cycling to and from Sunderland and just the pure logistics in involving just one game was mind-boggling and we ended up not doing it. So to do every single game um, is, is quite astonishing and you should be really proud of that achievement. Yeah, thanks very much, Terrence. No worries, mate. And um, we will get you back on next season to... Um, listen to you what we what you ended up on as a final target and so on and um see what your next crazy plan is in supporting crystal palace yeah great thanks very much all right good luck on the journey up to manchester mate cheers bye homesdale radio preview podcast sponsored by fanjul.co.uk the next generation of fantasy football right so now predictions time um Last week, Lucy, can you remember what you said? Yes, it was 2-all. 2-2. Mr. Philpot, you said a 2-0 win. You were, well, you were the closest on the grounds that you were the only one who predicted Palace to win. Um, oh, no, that's still way off. Yeah, I don't know. You said two goals both in the second half. We did score twice in the second half, so you're not you're not that far off. And obviously, half right. <laughs> Half right, yeah. For the um, just you know, for for the lads, I predicted Palace to lose just just because that's, I think that's my role in things now, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's pretty it. much what we yeah. do. That is that is tradition. That's right, absolutely right. One that we will continue right. next season. Yeah. So we're um, <laughs> we're notoriously terrible at um predicting games, and this is probably the hardest game of the season to predict, given that. <laughs> unknown lineups that we're going to be putting out and so on um on the poll on twitter uh 67 of palace fans have suggested that palace will win the game at old trafford on the weekend uh 22 have said draw and only 11 percent have said manchester united um i don't know if that's been hijacked by liverpool fans or something i don't know <laughs> quite know what's going on there but they all seem very very confident uh how confident are you lucy uh, do you know what? I don't really care. <laughs> it's the right answer. It's the right answer. <laughs> I I would absolutely love, 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 love to beat them. But, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I don't care. We're going to win 2-1 anyway. <laughs> okay. And is that going to be both from Benteke? No, I'm going to, I'm going to say it'll be, Wilf and Townsend. Okay, and Nick Nostradamus Philpot. <laughs> okay, um, I can't make my mind up between a one-one draw or a Desmond, so I'm going to go with a one-one draw. And to celebrate his new contract, it will be a Damon Demo from a set piece. And that's because we've got Lucy on the line. Demo from what, a corner. What, from 35, 35 yard free kick? He's just going to ping it top bins. No, 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 no. From a corner. From a, he's going to head in from a corner. Demo to, to get our equaliser. To shut the haters up as well. Yeah, to shut the haters up. I'm just flicking through Twitter there, and I've I've seen a prediction from from our very own Billiam. So, Billiam, get get yourself off mute, mate. Yeah, come on in, mate. Come 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 and have a chat to us. Go on then. You're right. What what was your prediction? 
I'm going to go for 3-1 Palace. See, it's more optimism. <laughs> I, this is way too much optimism. Who, who's going <laughs> to score the goals? Ooh. I'll go for Zaha. I'll get him get one. Benteke. And I'll go with the Demo one as well, just for fun. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and William, while we got you on the, on the line, mate, okay, on behalf of all the team on the preview pod, thank you for all your hard work. Ah, cheers, no worries. It's been great fun. And now everybody knows how posh Billiam is in the background. <laughs> <laughs> we love Billiam. We love Billiam. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Next up, we're going to be participating in some group therapy as we remember last season's FA Cup final. Homestel Radio Freeview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. tries to obscure his view Fellaini there's Joel Ward invited to shoot by the fans here's Punchen that was well collected and brilliantly finished right so <laughs> it's the 21st of May 2016 um, almost a year to the day of recording and it will be a year to the day when we play Manchester United and 88,619 people are heading to Wembley Stadium for for the 2016 FA Cup final. Um, obviously, we'd we'd already been to Wembley a f- couple of weeks earlier and dismissed Watford 2-1 in the semi-final. And Nick, how was your feeling going into this one, mate? Was you, was you confident going to the final? I'll tell you what I was. I was actually optimistic because, as we've already discussed earlier in the show, they weren't the all-singing, all-dancing, great Man United teams of the past. Um, so I thought if we ever had a chance to do them, this was it. This was the one. Um, they were smug. I remember coming out of the cup final in 1990 and they were smug, horrible. Oh, I, well, I keep it PG. I, I, I did. I really did. Really horrible people when they came out of there. Uh, and this is our turn to have a, to get it back at them. Um, and I, looking at our lineup, looking at how well we've performed, I thought this was our turn, our time. And, it, and we'll talk about it later on, but especially when Punch's goal went in so late, uh, it was our turn. Yeah, Lucy, are you going to be able to get through this without crying? Because I'm not sure I am. I, I, I can't speak about it. I just, it's just, <laughs> it's it's horrible. It's it's remembered pain and. You know, I've I've never ever rewatched any of it just because I can't bring myself to do it. Yeah, I mean, I sort of had a feeling. On, it was the twenty fourth of Oct- uh, October. Sorry, the twenty fourth of April was when I knew we'd lost this game, and that was the day that Mark Clattenburg was announced as the referee for the fixture. Um, obviously, we'd never. Still, we will never win a Premier League game that Mark Clattenburg referees because obviously he has departed for pastures new. Thank Hooray! God. <laughs> um, but I was clawing, at sh- clawing at hope, clutching at straws. You know, he he was the referee when we won two 0 at the Amex in the playoff semi final. So we'd beaten Stoke in this FA Cup run with. Clattenburg as the referee, so I was hoping beyond hope that he might um, he might be a good luck for a charm for us in knockout competition. But it was pretty early on that it was clear that that wasn't going to be in the case when Conor Wickham gets away from Chris Smalling down the left. He's brought down, rugby tackled to the ground. 
Connor Wickham is immediately up, running into the penalty area, and Clattenburg decides it's a good idea to blow his whistle instead of playing advantage when Connor Wickham, you know, can score, can square it to Zaha, he can sit down, have a cup of tea and a picnic, get up, still square it to Zaha and score. But Clattenburg blows his whistle. I don't know about you, Nick, but I'd, at this point, is it, this is the point where I lost my voice during this game, just screaming at Clattenburg for this decision. It was just another one of his. I mean, oh, I can't say what's actually inside my head because uh, all I keep thinking about is that image of him cuddling Ferguson before the game, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and I can't say what I really want to say, but it was just what you would expect from that div. Okay, I can do that because he doesn't he doesn't ref anymore. Um, it was just an awful got because he, he actually did it again in the second half, okay, but this time played the advantage. But that, that one where Wickham actually put it in the back of the net, I could see that he'd made that decision quite quick. If you listen to the commentary back, mm. you can hear the Palace fans celebrating that they think uh, Wickham scored, okay. But way before that, I could see that he'd made a decision and stopped the game. I think it was probably something to do with my position in the stadium. I was, I was very near to touch uh, the halfway line. Um, it's just a god awful decision, and yeah, again, it's one of those things where you wish that we had access to him to be able to explain what he did and why he did that post match, yeah. or even now, if you like, because he might he got slaughtered for it in the press, rightly so, because it's a cretin. Um, I just wish that there was a, there's some sort of recourse, redress that you could go back and say to him, Why did you do that? Why yeah. did you make that decision? Because you probably caught. In fact, you did. You cost us the cup. Yeah, and this, sadly, it wasn't the first time, the only time in the first half that he did this. Zaha got cleaned out by Rooney, and the referee said play on when replay showed that Rooney was clearly nowhere near the ball, and there's that could have been a penalty. It was, you know, borderline on the edge of the area. And then shortly after that, Joel Wall breaks away from Rojo, and it's three on two, and literally Joel Wall's got the whole pitch in front of him to run into. But um, again... Clattenburg is blowing his whistle too early and not learning from his mistakes. And um, he calls the game back and another chance is gone. And obviously, you know, he's gone to Dubai now. And part of me hopes that he commits some really sort of tame crime and ends up getting publicly lashed. But, um, <laughs> no. <laughs> part, part of me doesn't. Part of me, part of me hopes he makes a major crime and he they cut his hands off. <laughs> that way he can't blow yeah. another whistle, can he? Yeah, you know, that might sound a bit harsh, but, um, <laughs> you know, you look back and you, like you already alluded to, Nick, you see him with um, hugging Alex Ferguson before the game. I mean, how Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson of Manchester United, has the opportunity to be anywhere near the officials before the game is quite frankly disgusting. Quite right. And, um, you know, I hate, I hate that we have to be bitter, but... You know, for him, it's just another bad day at the office. But for us, it's it's another generation of hurt. It's not, it's not just you know, he can he just goes home and shrugs it off, and we're all talking about it for another thirty years or twenty five years, however long it will take us to get to the next FA Cup final. Anyway, um, Hennessy um, kept us in the game, saves really well, low down to his right from Juan Mata. And then going into the second half, Fellaini hits the woodwork, Martial hits the woodwork, and we can't really get out of our area. I mean, United have 24 shots on goal in the game, but before they scored a goal, only Matter had found a target from the Hennessy save. Lucy, did you, did you think that penalties at this point was the best we could hope for as we were just penned back in our own half? 
Um, no, I, I, I guess I, I wasn't really thinking about it. I was just, I was so caught up in the game that I was just stood there praying that something would happen and we would, we would go on to win it. Um, and that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, you're still very glum about it, aren't you? Um, <laughs> But now that 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 moment did come, I mean, we soaked up loads of United pressure in the second half and kept them in areas where they couldn't really hurt us. Kept them shooting from range, and then um, you always felt I'd I'd said in the build-up to the game that I thought if we could score the first goal, United had struggled to break us down, and they were struggling to break us down before we'd scored. And then you know you get to the 78th minute, and you always felt that if he was going to do something, it'd come from a set piece, and. Uh, Punjan puts in the corner, it's clear to Joel Ward. I don't I feel like describing this mental, everyone knows exactly what happens. Ward lifts it back out to Punjan. Um, I think it's Martial playing him on the side over the far side. Brilliant decision from the Lino. Well done, linesman. Um Clattenburg can take some uh, <laughs> take some advice from you, I believe. And um, you know, Punjan's first touch isn't great. You know, it sort of bounces up really high, but the way he adjusts his body, clears it out of his feet and just absolutely hammers it past De Gea for, um, so let's, let's talk about those couple of minutes. Nick, um, <laughs> how were they for you? Again, I've got to be, I've got to select my words carefully, but following him, what is it? 45 years that has got probably got to be up there because I thought, what was it, 78 minutes into the game, I actually thought we were there. I thought we were home and ho- home and hosed. I mean, it was a little bit, just the, the build-up to the goal, it was it was a bit like the, the Alamo. I mean, they, they were taking shots from every angle, hitting the woodwork time and time again. Um, and I thought we were going to lose at that point. For us then to go down and score that goal, it was just, the euphoria around us was just one. And, this, and the best part of it all, of course, was the silence the other side of that, better than I was on the halfway line, okay, opposite side to Pardew. So I didn't even see Pardew's dance until later that evening. The silence, the other side of the divide where the stewards were, okay, from the main end was, you know, that, that was ecstasy in itself. But it was, I mean, around us, it was just pandemonium. Fantastic time. And Lucy, in your little part of Wembley, how was it for you? It was incredible. I mean, you know, I've I've experienced two promotions through the playoffs um, in my life. But that that brief spell, those those two minutes, however long it was, I've never known anything like it. I've never celebrated in that way before. You know, I was fortunate enough to get the tickets for all the people that I sit with. So we were all together like we normally are on a normal match day. Um, my my dad was there and my dad was at the 1990 Cup final as well. So, you know, he, this was the second time that he'd been through it. Um, it was indescribable and you just had that sense of we've done it. And yeah. you, ha- you, you know, I mean, even now, the sort of like the hairs are going back on, on the back of my neck. It was just... It, it's indescribable and to be with like the people that you care about the most that have that same love and passion for your club you know you, yeah. you can talk about it to people at work you can talk about it to the guy next to you that sports spurs you can talk about it to the guy 
you know, that's an Arsenal fan or a Scouser, you know. And yeah, they get it. But in that moment, mm-hmm. no, nothing else. Okay, so it was a brief, brief amount of time. But it's just so indescribable. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, well, I was beautifully said, Luce. Beautifully said, love. It's great. Yeah, look, I read back through my um, what I wrote about the game after, and I I remember going thinking back to that was it was a very difficult thing to write, and I said um, until we hopefully win a trophy, I'll never forget those moments after the goal, surrounded by the people that I love. We celebrated that goal like none other in my Palace sporting career. I genuinely thought that the wait was over for two minutes. I allowed myself to forget what years of experience had taught me wait until the fat lady is singing I jumped around I hugged family friends and strangers and I bask in the glory of what would have been the pinnacle of our 111 year history and oh just oh, it was it was exceptional those two minutes but then you know Jason Puncham was on the other podcast um not not Hambo's one <laughs> a couple of weeks ago and he said it was his most emotional moment in football um he said, I think the whole occasion took me by great surprise in that moment that I scored. Probably to the whistle blew for full, full time. I didn't realise that I was playing in the cup final. And um, sadly, and it's not that I'm blaming Jason Punch, and there was many other phases of play in that run that Rooney made that we could have stopped him. But Pungent puts in such an abject tackle on Rooney as he's like running in towards our penalty area. And, you know, I remember after the game thinking that that's experience of playing in high level games from Rooney right there. He'd done nothing all game really. And then right. when he when his team needed him for that one minute, he just rolled back the years and just brushed people aside, got into the penalty area. Damo done really, really well to push him out wide. But he just dug out an incredible cross to the back post, you know, knew that Fellaini would be there and Fellaini just peels off his man, chest it down and then the moment it squirms under Joel Ward from Matter's shot, you just kind of think this isn't going to be our day for it to everything we've had expelled so much in that two minutes and to get so unlucky so immediately it was just kind of like I was from that point on I was I was in bits if I'm honest and um yeah, yeah but then we go into extra time um you know Benassi has a good shot from range at De Gea tips around the post um but on the on the stroke of half time and extra time, Chris Smalling finally gets sent off, uh, pulling down Balassi with yet another rugby tackle. And um, but I don't know if you remember, there was it was this big hoodoo that we had of not beating a team all season long when um, they'd been reduced to ten men. And there was lots of people, lots of Palace fans were instead of thinking, "Oh my God, we can go on and win this now," were thinking, "Uh oh, <laughs> this is we're, the... we're crap against ten men, yeah." Yeah, um, and then, you know, Wilfred Zaha put Gal through in what was our only really chance that we had in extra time, and he tried to take the chance early, but De Gea, you know, world-class goalkeeper, denies him with his feet, and then Pardew kills us if the dance hadn't already killed us, and I de- deliberately tried to avoid the dance, because <laughs> just talking about it makes me angry. We switched to 4-4-2, and I don't know if, if, whether it was out of Balassi being injured, or tired, really, not injured, just more like running out of steam. And we went to a four-four-two just so he could stay up front with Gal. But whatever, it just it completely changed the momentum of the game. And all of a sudden, um, United were able to get up the field and create a couple of chances for himself. And then on 
110 minutes. This time, Punchin puts in a better tackle on Valencia down the right, but it bounces kindly for Valencia. And um, Delaney blocks out his cross, but it falls to Lingard on the edge of the area. Jesse Kin Lingard. Yeah, I see. <laughs> Smashes home a perfect volley. Um, I've seen him all season long this season on Match of the Day, smash those wide. And just something about him being Brighton, Nick, as well. Being Having that lone period at Brighton just makes it an extra sickener, doesn't it? Do you know, I've forgotten about that. Oh. <laughs> Sorry for ruining everyone's day. Yeah. <laughs> we need to bring this up a bit. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it was yeah, it was a great finish and uh, fair play to him. Um, our turn on Saturday to get our own back with a bit of luck. Yeah, well, what was... Um... In the aftermath of that, uh, Bob Mortimer of Reeves and Mortimer said, um, the Palace fans have rubbed the meaning of support pretty forcibly into the United fans' faces today, which was um, quite exceptional. And one of the memories that I'll always take away from the day is I just, as soon as the full-time whistle went, I had to go out back. I couldn't, I just couldn't watch the pitch. And I, I kind of regret that now because, you know, there was obviously some emotional scenes with players clapping and, you know, sharing their emotion with all of the fans and so on. And I'm I'm kind of sad that I did miss that in the flesh. But um, as I was sat down out back, a guy walked past me and um, he came and just crouched down next to me and he said, chin up, mate. We have what they can never have. We have us. And I think that is, um, you know, this is, is, you know, for us, that meant everything for them. Uh, it's just another trophy in the cabinet and... They'll never know. They'll never understand what it's like to be a Crystal Palace fan and I know which fence side of the fence I would rather be on. Um, in my notes here, it says hand over to Philpot. So I have yes. no idea what this means. No, no you don't. Um, so as we're moving to the end of the show, it's the last last uh, programme of the season, the last pod of the season. Um, we're looking forward to an important summer. Uh, it'll be when the new stadium plans hopefully will be announced and the signing of Sacco will be announced. But much more important than any of that, I believe you have an event coming up this summer, Tell. Would you like to tell the <laughs> listeners about it? Yeah, well, I do. On on June the 3rd, um, someone's making an honest man of me. Um, I'm getting, getting married in Islington Town Hall on June 3rd uh, to the, the very lovely Linda Klotz. And... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Excited and nervous. but. <laughs> well, I think I can safely say on behalf of all the listeners and especially your Homestale Radio family, we wish you every happiness, every success, and we hope the day goes wonderfully for you, mate. Good luck to you. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> um, look, we're just going to go off to a short jingle and then we'll, we'll be back. Homestale Radio, Freeview Podcast, sponsored by fanjuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. And with that, we have come to the end of the season. Um, I want to take this opportunity to offer huge thanks to all of you that have listened and supported the Preview Podcast throughout the year. From all over the world, I've been getting messages literally from the other side of the world in Australia and, you know, I'm... I really feel like I've been blagging it for the entire time, but um, the feedback suggests that you've you've enjoyed it. So I'm glad that we've been able to give you some Palace-related entertainment throughout what has been a, a rocky season, I would say. Um, <laughs> further thanks. It's got to go to all the opposition fans that have joined us this season. Uh, thanks to Doc Brown for the Christmas special. That was absolutely brilliant, that was. And 
of course, to the former Palace players that have joined us along the way. The legend that is Vince Hilaire, Burnley hero Ian Walsh, not Peter Taylor's son-in-law, Stuart Green. <laughs> 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 Big Neil Shipley, the unforgettable John Burridge and the extremely forgettable Jamie Scowcroft. Wow, he was boring. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Scowy. Uh, <laughs> um, I must also thank the producers that we've had through the season. Um, Tav, Tom and Samantha for their efforts in the early episodes and um, thanks to Billiam for his brilliant work since the turn of the year. Um, 15 episodes, so pretty much half the episodes Billiam's done. And um, honestly, if you got to hear the mess that we created before they make this listenable, you throw us firmly in the bin. <laughs> um, finally, thanks to all the whole radio panellists as well that have gamely answered my questions through the episodes. The two that have appeared the most throughout the season have been with me on the show tonight. So thanks to Lucy for being such a superstar in the 10 episodes that you've been on. Thank you, Terence. It's been a pleasure. And of course, thanks to the, for the first time tonight, the old git, Nick Philpot. Well, we couldn't possibly go through a show without that being added in. Uh, let's, do, <laughs> let's do loads more next season. It's been great fun, so. Indeed. Um, while this is the final preview podcast of the season, it's certainly not the last whole radio podcast of the season. Hambo and Albert recently interviewed Sasha Churchich. Um, so that will be included on the final review show of the season on Sunday night. So head to wholeradio.net forward slash listen hyphen live or facebook.com forward slash wholeradio at 8 p.m. on Sunday night to listen in or catch up as always from around 10 p.m. onwards with the final podcast version of the show. So that's it for the season. Um, any final words, Nick or Lucy? Um, just to say that if anybody's about on Wednesday the 24th, there's a charity match at Selhurst Park where whole radio people are playing in and there's a few celebrities and fans. We'll be there, Lucy, won't we? We'll be yeah, there. we'll be there. And all the money's being raised for the Palace Foundation. So if you're free Wednesday afternoon, come along and see us. Indeed, get down there. That should be a wonderful night. And if you know how to run the line, um, get in contact at Whole Radio. <laughs> We're missing a <laughs> linesman. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> okay, listener, just so you know what he's actually alluding to, that this old git that he keeps referring to is actually running one of the lines. So what he's trying to do is find a decent <laughs> substitution for me. <laughs> okay. So look, um, again, appreciate you all for listening to us throughout the season um and we've we've i think we've successfully felt our way around a bit now so um hopefully next season we'll be able to bring you a you know a much slicker nicer show and um yeah something that you you'll enjoy listening to so until next until next season up the palace Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.